This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today, a new book by an actor you probably know that aims to help boys. Justin Baldoni is best known for his character Raphael Solano on the TV series Jane the Virgin. But he's also an author. His second book is called Boys Will Be Human, a get-real, gut-check guide to becoming the strongest, kindest, bravest person you can be. Great title, right? The book has a clear target demographic, middle school boys and the people who raise them, and a clear goal to help boys get in touch with their feelings, something they aren't always encouraged to do. I really enjoyed talking with Justin. His first book, by the way, was called Man Enough, Undefining My Masculinity. So I started by asking, why this theme and why is this subject so important to him? Well, I wrote Man Enough for men, uh, for grown men. Um, 18 and up, if you will. Um, And as I was writing it, it was a really cathartic process. And a lot came up for me that I had to look at and heal during that process. And I noticed that so much of what came up for me were things that happened to me in middle school, in high school. And I wondered, well, what would it have been like if I had a book like this for me? If there was somebody around that was there to talk to me about the things that I was embarrassed about the things that I was too shamed filled to ask about, you know, my body changing sex, porn, all of the things that I was exposed to at such a young age, I didn't have anybody to talk to. And after the book came out, I noticed the reaction and I also noticed the resistance. Hmm. And I just thought, man, I got to write something for boys before they become men, before we put on the armor that over the course of our lives, we will forget how to take off the armor that might protect us from the attacks of other men, but also prevent us from feeling all of the feelings that we were meant to feel, prevent us from connection, not just with other people, but with ourselves. You mentioned resistance. Resistance from whom? Resistance from men, mostly. Resistance from men, because, you know, men are fine. We don't need fixing. The system, you know, everyone else is broken except us. It's very hard for us men to be introspective and to look at ourselves and to think that we need fixing because we have for so long essentially killed the part of ourselves that does that. We have been taught from an early age to suppress our feelings and emotions for self-preservation. And over time, we numb ourselves to the attacks of others and to ourselves. And when we do that, how the heck are we supposed to be in relationship with other people? How the heck are we supposed to be in relationship with other women if, if we're straight? Right. 
especially when we're taught at such young ages, that the worst thing we could ever be, the biggest insult you could ever launch at me as a young boy was to call me a girl. You talked earlier about the fact that you didn't have people to talk to about some of these questions that you had as a boy. Did you feel like there was a void in material as well? So boy-friendly, boy-empowering books like yours? And and is that part of your mission? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have even known where to look. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there is a section at the bookstore for boys. Um, I I haven't seen seen one. one. Um, well, Well, what does that tell us about the way we view boys? How are, we, how are we complaining about the state of the world? We look at sexual assault numbers. We look at, you know, the fact that one in five women are survivors of rape, you know, and those statistics, those statistics vary based on where you are. And we're not looking at, well, how do we stop the problem before it starts? We got to teach our young boys what consent means. We got to help them understand that when they're watching porn, that's not an accurate depiction of what sex looks like. My good friends at A Call to Men did a national survey, they found that 78% of all of the boys they spoke to, seniors, 18-year-old boys, men, didn't know the definition of consent. So we got to go back and reach and talk to our young boys mm-hmm. before socialization grabs them. And, uh, and yeah, so, so first of all, and I wouldn't have even known where to look yeah. because I can tell you right now that young boys, boys in middle school and high school, we're not taught to go to the library or to the bookstore and to buy books for ourselves. We're taught to run from our feelings, not go into them. Well, you start Boys Will Be Human with uh, this idea of trust, right? And how it's foundational in all relationships. I mean, you start talking about this on on page one, and you go on to model that you're trusting us, the people reading your book, as you start to share vulnerable details from your past pretty much right away. So I'm curious how you feel right now, Justin, that the book is out. It's in the world now. Yeah. You know, I feel, I feel good. Um, my last book, Man Enough, was terrifying. I remember I was so scared to release that book because... Why? So, well, because I had, for the first time, you know, shared so much about myself and so much about my story and the things that have happened to me in an attempt to help other men feel less alone in theirs. And I know that men learn from other men, right? This is, this is the idea of what masculinity is. It's taught. It's not innate. This is my argument. It is innate. What's taught actually screws us up. Mm-hmm. But we learn masculinity from other boys and men. So my last book and my TED Talk, it was all about modeling that vulnerability so other men could have some frame of reference because we don't have that in our lives. Not everybody, at least. I don't want to generalize. And so I'd already done a lot of that work, um, a lot of that healing work, a lot of that, the, the terrifying stuff of going, wait, I'm a filmmaker and an actor. Like, why, why am I telling all these stories about myself that are so embarrassing? Or why am I sharing so much? Mm-hmm. Is that going to make me less cool or less interesting? Have the mystique's gone? And then I had to work through all that because, again, those are just stories that I tell myself. These are just, these are just insecurities that... I and all men have. So what did your so healing work look like? Did you go to therapy? Oh, I go to therapy weekly. I've been going to therapy weekly for years. So I think that's deeply important. Yeah. Um, because I need, I, need a, I need a place, I need a safe place to talk about my feelings outside of my partnership with my wife. I cannot make my wife my therapist. 
And that's another mistake that most men make. So yeah, no, I go to therapy. I need to have a place to take all of these things and all, and all my fears and my imposter syndrome and, you know, all the things that can come up. But with that, I'm excited right now because there hasn't been a book like this for young boys. And I'm okay sharing my story and being embarrassed and sharing these parts of myself, of myself because I want young boys to know that they're not alone. And they need a friend. They need that older brother that can talk to them about these things. Yeah. And, uh, and I really hope that it reaches young boys where they are. And look, I believe wholeheartedly, I, I'm, I'm, I don't care about the bestseller list. I don't care about selling a million books. I care about selling a book to a parent of a boy or to a boy who needs it and who will grow up mm-hmm. not um, objectifying and hurting or sexually assaulting women, who will grow up to become a safe place for himself. Because until our boys are safe places for themselves, the world will not be a safe place for anyone. Let's talk about those young boys who will be reading this book. You've got exercises throughout, and you've got what you call gut checks. Talk to me about that structure and your choice in doing so. Yeah, you know, I, I, I look, it was important. I'd never written a book for younger kids, and, um, and in our research and in our conversation with our editorial team at HarperCollins, you know, we said, oh, we should have some we should have some stuff in this book that's more interactive. So it's one thing to, to take on and take in information. It's another, another thing to apply it. So there's a lot of gut checks. There's these little moments in the book where I ask boys to do an exercise or to think about things, and it's great for parents as well. Um, it could be as simple as stopping and thinking about your fears mm-hmm. and feeling what they feel like in your body. And these are, things, these are tools and tricks that I also have learned in therapy. Yeah. as well. You so there's a reason them, that they're all there. You even teach them how to practice opening up, right? It's starting exactly. with writing things opening down up, on a piece of paper. Yeah, writing it down. You know, it's, And these are exercises that I continue to do. You know, I do these things every morning. I wouldn't put them in the book if they weren't life-changing. You mentioned this earlier, Justin, that phrase that boys often hear growing up, you know, don't be a girl, right? And you also bring up the point that that phrase, it's, it's based on thinking that someone is less than you. I really, really appreciate you making that clear. Well, yeah. I mean, if you grow up thinking that the worst thing you could be is another gender, it's not a far jump to looking at the numbers and the data and seeing how men grow up to then treat that gender. So anytime we uh, dehumanize something, we objectify something, it makes it much easier to assault or hurt or kill that thing. So yeah, so growing up and being told at an early age, what thing? kind of being brainwashed that, oh, that the worst thing you could be is a girl or, the, or gay, right? It's internalized homophobia and misogyny. If the worst thing that I could ever be is a girl, then I want to distance myself as far as possible from anything that remotely looks like a girl in me. And if society tells me that girls are emotional and sensitive and sweet and soft and nurturing, well, then I don't want to be that thing. But the irony is that those are all the things I'm going to need to have healthy relationships of any kind over the course of my life. Society tells me, oh, you want to, you want to be a man? Well, you got to be a leader. Okay. Well, what about all the followers? Well, society tells me, I got to be successful. Okay, if I want to be a successful person, I got to be a boss. Well, I need all of those skills, all of those, those traits, empathy, kindness, compassion. I need those skills to be a boss. Otherwise, I'm a tyrant. 
Mm-hmm. Right? But we don't think about that stuff. Right. You grow up, you learn about sex from porn. Well, what does sex from porn teach us? That women are objects. Okay, well, if women are objects, then they're not people. How can I ever respect something that I don't view as a person or as an equal if I view it as less than? And this is how simple it is, mm-hmm. the socialization of our language and how it affects the human brain, especially in us boys. And so, yeah, so, so it's something to talk about and to think about. Because um, as long as we're thinking about it, knowledge is power. Yeah, I'm glad you, you can understand. You can start to unlearn those things. So you've talked about this quite a bit, but in the book, you actually call it armor, right? You write about armor a lot, that conditioning that boys grow up with, you know, from the adults in their lives, uh, from society, to not feel feelings. And um, you say that creates an armor, and it ends up really just disconnecting boys from themselves. Talk more about how that looked in your upbringing, Justin. Yeah, well, I, you know, I hadn't really thought of it this way. And then uh, my therapist gave me a book um, called The Knight in Rusty Armor. I believe it was written in the 70s or the 60s. And it just hit home so much. And this idea of armor, just um, it just made so much sense. And Bell Hooks, uh, the late, great Bell Hooks, mm-hmm. prolific feminist author, writes about um, the act of soul murder. Um, this idea that as young boys, the first act of violence that we're, that we commit is violence against ourselves. When we kill our emotions, we literally kill our souls because we numb ourselves from feeling our feelings. And to me, that looks like armor. And so for me, it was, um, I was bullied relentlessly growing up. I was a sensitive kid. I was soft and I didn't want there to be any trace of that sensitivity or softness because that made me vulnerable to attack. So over time, I would just put on armor and put on armor and I would perform and I would act a certain way. But every time I would act a certain way, I would feel more and more disconnected from myself. And then people didn't respond to me. And sure, I might have had guy friends, but it was all based on something that wasn't real. It was inauthentic. It was a performance. And any friendship that's based on uh, a lie is not a real friendship. And that just continued over the course of my life. And I would just put on these different masks. I'd put on this different armor over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was never truly happy or fulfilled because I was never really being myself. So big topics in this book, as you mentioned, sex, consent, body positivity, which I thought was wonderful to see. You know, again, you said you feel like you did not have a place to ask those questions when you were, in fact, growing up. So while... I have your ear, Justin. I want you to make the argument for people who are listening right now, maybe wondering if this book is age appropriate. Why should they be having these talks with their young boys? Well, it's a great question. Um, I think that our future depends on it. Would you rather have a talk with your young boy in response to something, or would you rather prepare him for something? You know, as men, we are often like, you know, being prepared is so important, right? We work out, we get fit so we can be prepared for something. Mm-hmm. You want to be prepared for a fight. You want to be prepared, 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 preparation. But yet we're not preparing ourselves or our young boys emotionally for life and for what's ahead of them, for what's going to happen to them. You know, I see a lot of fathers trying to prepare their boys for the world by toughening them up. But all they're doing is perpetuating the same same trauma that happened to them yeah. because they know how hard the world is. It's not their fault. I have so much compassion for those fathers, 
because they know that if their boy is sweet or sensitive, that other boys are going to bully him. He doesn't want those other boys to be bullied in the way that he was bullied. So they're trying to prepare their young boys for a tough world. And this world is tough. I don't believe that's how you do it. I believe we need to prepare those boys by explaining to them and showing them what it means to be human by preparing them for sex, by preparing them for how their bodies are going to change, by preparing them for the fact that when they hit 11 or 12 years old and they start going through puberty, they're going to start having erections all day long and preparing them for that porn is going to exist. If we're going to give a child a phone, then we have to be prepared that those children, Mm -hmm. no matter how young they are, are going to find pornography. That's just the way that it is, whether it's through their phones or another friend's phones. Right. Because those kids are going to come back and they're going to be curious and they're going to see boobs and sex and all kinds of and stuff. And this goes for, for girls and, and boys. Penises. Yeah, this goes for girls and boys. I believe boys. this book is absolutely, I believe, I believe it's absolutely for girls because I believe girls need to understand boys. Um, we've been antagonistic for too long. But again, like you, you know, I believe that uh, when you find porn at 10 or 11 years old, that's a version of sexual assault because your brain is not ready for what you're seeing or processing. And suddenly you start to compare yourself to everything that you see, mm-hmm. both for girls and for boys. And for most boys, they'll never measure up to those first images of porn that they see. And the same goes for girls. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you another big picture question here. Um, this year, we have seen many young white men get violent and um, commit mass shootings across the country. You know, anger and mental instability, those two often come up as, you know, some of the reasons why. So do you think that what you are laying out in this book, you know, can play a role in boys having some other tools at their disposal? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to say that um, this is the uh, antidote to mass murders by any means, but um, all of those boys felt disconnected. They felt isolated. They felt alone. They felt like outcasts, and they were dealing with traumas. They were bullied. They um, they were radicalized in many ways. Um, and what is what is a killing or a shooting than uh, an outburst of rage? Mm-hmm. And what if you could connect to that rage before it became rage? What's behind it? What's behind it is deep sadness and disconnection. And how do we, you know, look, in many ways, the way we're raising our boys is the the pure definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. So we have to do something different if we want the outcome to be different. And we have to reach our young boys before this stuff happens. If, If boys had an outlet, if boys had... If it was cool to talk to somebody, if we were safe places for ourselves, then the world would be a safe place. Justin Baldoni is an actor and author of Boys Will Be Human, a get real gut check guide to becoming the strongest, kindest, bravest person you can be. And the book is available now. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you so much. So nice talking to you. 
This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic. It was mixed by Ethan Schwab. If you enjoyed this interview and you want to hear more conversations like it, consider subscribing to the podcast. We've got tons of interviews covering the news, politics, the economy, arts, and culture. And don't forget to give us a rating because that really helps other listeners find us. All right, that's it for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.